I'll pray for us and then we will open up our scriptures and hear a message from God through them. Father, what a privilege and an honor it is to to worship you and to sing a song that reminds us no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what circumstances we go through, that you have conquered them all. You give us victory over them. As we consider uh, our relationship with money tonight and as we talk about something that can be, although it shouldn't be, but sometimes it is very uncomfortable to talk about money because it's very personal, I claim victory over that awkwardness in knowing that we can have real, honest conversations and we can learn from your holy scriptures valuable tools and principles that will bring freedom into our lives and will unlock the gates of of grace and provision and favor from you. So tonight we, uh, I pray that our heart would be directed to to trust you, to be challenged by you, and where we want to push back against your word, I pray that you would give us wisdom and clarity on how to... uh, to resolve those issues that we struggle through. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this point, I'd like to invite Shannon to come forward for tonight's scripture reading. Tonight's scripture reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 to 29. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. If the distance is so great for you that you are not able to bring the tithe, Since the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or whatever your heart desires, and there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just so that we are working on the same page tonight, I I want you to know that this is an awkward sermon for me. Uh, Talking about money is always awkward, especially if you're the pastor, one of the pastors at the church, and you're going to talk about giving money to a church that you're a pastor of. Uh, But the most awkward part of tonight for me is not necessarily that. The most awkward part for me tonight 
is this is my first sermon where I'm not wearing my sports coat. So I need your prayers tonight. I feel exposed and vulnerable right now. I don't have my sports coat on, so I, I really enjoy those. So pray for me this summer as it's uh, look, like, look like it's on a, a hot start. But tonight we're talking about how tithing gives back to us. When we think of tithing, we think this is me giving 10% to the church. Sometimes we think, okay, this is old school. That's Old Testament. We don't do that anymore. Uh, There's something they did then. We don't do that now. And we look for ways to, to wrestle with this concept and this biblical teaching of tithing. What do I do with this? Tonight, instead of maybe answering all of your questions, which I know will not happen, like I said, don't have my sports coat, instead of answering all those questions, I want to look at it a little differently and, and look at a big picture of tithing. And we're going to see three things that God gives us when we tithe. I think some of your questions will be answered, but I, I think there's a, an underlying issue or underlying principles that God wants to teach us tonight. We're going we're to talk about priority, we're going to talk about purpose, and we're going to talk about prosperity, which is my favorite part. You ready? Okay, let's start with number one. These are the things that God gives us when we tithe. So tithing gives us, number one, priority. You prioritize something in your life. What do you think about when you first wake up in the morning? When you first get a paycheck, what do you think about spending your money on? When you think of, I don't know if I would want to live if this happened, what is this? What's the priorities? We all have priorities in our lives. And so one of the things tithing gives back to us is realizing that God is God should be always our priority. It's all about Him, and we see this replete through the scriptures of in Deuteronomy chapter 14. If you want to turn there, we'll spend most of our time there. The, the, the verses will be on the screen for you if you're not there, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. But God is our priority. We see these in chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, and we'll see this. It says, you shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field. How often? Every year. So this was a list of to-dos for the people of God. Every year you're to do this, 10%. That's what tithe means. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name. You shall eat the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. Firstborn of your flock. So that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The reason God wants to establish a priority for us and how we see that God is the priority, he's, He wanted you to do all of these things so that you would fear the Lord your God for how long? Always. To fear the Lord your God always. Now, when we hear the word fear, it, it doesn't mean that we're to be terrified of Him, but it does mean that we're to be terrified of Him. Okay? I know that sounds like a contrast or a comment. I'm conflicting myself, but it does mean that we should be terrified of Him because He is that majestic and that holy, but that in and of itself is not the complete picture. We're to also be rejoicing in His presence. Other things were centered in, uh, if you can go back to verse 22 on there, other things were centered on, on what you were supposed to do. It said, you shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes 
out of the field every year. Sorry, verse 23. I told you wrong. Verse 23. And then he says, you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God. So another thing you see here, the priority of God. God was having them do something in their presence. I want you to be with me in my presence. And where are you going to be? At the place where God is going to choose. So you're the presence of God, the place of God that he's choosing for you. And what is he going to do? He's going to establish my name or his name? His name. Over and over we see that there's the principle of God being the priority of our heart. Him choosing to take us to this place. Him choosing to be in our presence and to establish his name. And then he gives us the list of things. So we see the the primacy of God being number one. Everything in this picture centers not on us and what we do, but it centers, its foundation is upon God. Now going back to the how fear God isn't just being terrified of him, but if we see this in many other scriptures as well, but just one of them is Psalm chapter 2, or not Psalm chapter 2, but Psalm 2, verse 11. It says, Worship the Lord with reverence, and reverence here also is translated in other times as what? What do you think? Say fear. 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 Great. Worship the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Worship him with reverence and rejoice with trembling. So you see this combination of fear and rejoicing and trembling coming together. It's an awe-inspiring experience to be in the presence of God. We oftentimes cheapen grace when we don't see how exalted God is and we think Jesus is just a friend or Jesus is, uh, was like me. And, and all those things are true, but, he, well, he's not just a friend, but he is a friend of us, but he's not just. He's also the Lord God who is set apart high and holy who that we should tremble, and we will tremble before, but we will tremble while we rejoice with him. He's a majestic, holy God. We also see that in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27, we see this scripture as well. There we go. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. So this fear, this reverence, this primacy, this priority of who God is, is important for us because if we do not have that in our lives, if we are not fearful of who God is, then we are going to fall victim into snares of death. We'll be just lackadaisical in what we choose to do with our time. We'll start making choices that not only go against the word and the plan of God, the will of God, but we'll make choices that are terrible for us, that lead us into the snares of death. And God does not want that for us. And so the fear of the Lord is the fountain. It's the source of life for us. This is what we need, the the priority of who God is, so that we will avoid the snares of death. Sometimes when we think about, okay, giving a 10% 10 to God, that's money I earned, right? I work hard for the money. So hard for the money. I work hard for the money. It's actually a really good song. I exegeted it a few weeks ago. It's going to come out at some point, but not tonight. The next verse is in 1 Corinthians. We think we worked hard for the money. It's mine. Don't tell me how to spend it, God. And then verse, 1 Chronicles is this here. This is David. David is, is writing it. He just finished a prayer, and now he is saying something else. And he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? And this is the part I want us to look at. For all things come from you, God, and from your hand we have given you. So what he's saying is, 
everything that I have earned, that I have worked hard for, comes from you. That's a, a basic spiritual tenet of our faith, is that all good things, all things that we earn, we do work hard, we, we do things and we can succeed and do well. I'm not saying that, but God gives you that ability to make that money. God gives you those opportunities to make those sales. He gives you those, those opportunities to, to get a better job and, and to succeed. He gives you those favorable breaks. And we acknowledge him that, God, I am not giving you anything that is mine and I'm giving it to you, but I am giving you simply what you have given to me. Priority. To realizing that, that God is the priority of my life. This is what tithing gives back to me. Priority. Number two, it gives us purpose. Tithing gives us purpose in life. There's a specific purpose that can be described in one word as well, and it's called generosity. This is one of the purposes, not the purpose, there are others as well, but this is one of the purposes that God has for us together is for us to have a spirit of generosity within ourselves. It's not the stuff. It's not the 10% that God needs of my salary. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need 10% of my stuff. He doesn't need those things. What he wants to do is develop a spirit of generosity. That is a purpose of his. We see this in Deuteronomy 14, 24 through 26. We'll look back at those. If the distance, so God tells them to take 10% of your things, your tithe, your harvest, and travel to a place, I tell you. So he says, if it's too far to go and you have a lot of stuff, go to the market, you're going to sell it, and then you're going to do something with it. So if the distance is so great for you that you're not able to bring the tithe since the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from, uh, from you when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord God chooses. You may spend the money for whatever your heart desires. Now it gets fun. You ready? For oxen or sheep or, okay, turn your eyes on this one. Some of you feel awkward right now. Or wine or strong drink or whatever. Say whatever. Not whatever, but whatever your heart desires. That's amazing. Whatever your heart desires, go and spend it on this. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God. And rejoice, you and all your household. So you got to bring your kids too. You're going to party with your kids in the Lord's presence. This is amazing. There's a spirit of generosity. Notice God, within this prescribed thing of what you're supposed to do, gives you tons of freedom. He says, whatever your heart desires. Now, obviously, a caveat would be not harmful things. You don't go out and buy 10% or whatever your stuff, or the cocaine, and go harm your body, right? So if your heart is desiring godly things, and partying with him is a good thing. Whatever your heart desires, in line with God's will. The presence of God, it was not a, gru- a gruesome, awkward place for them to go. It wasn't a place where they would go to there and be like, man, he's making us go there. I don't want to spend time with him. But it was a place that they would go and they would rejoice fully in his presence. Many times we have a, a, a skewed perception of who God is and a, a true perception of who he is is realizing it is a good thing to be in his presence. The spirit of generosity we see too in Luke chapter 21. 
verses 1 through 4. There's a wonderful story. It's only four verses, so I'm just going to read it. And Jesus is the he here. Jesus looked up. They're in the temple, and he saw the rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. So it's like passing the plates in here, right? And people who are rich putting lots of money in there. But then Jesus saw a poor widow. She put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all, out of their surplus, put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. She put in everything. This widow, as poor as she was, realized that all she had were these two small copper coins. Very little money. This is all she had. In the world's eyes, it was very... It lacked basically any value whatsoever. But to her, it was everything. And so for her, she put everything into the treasury. But these other people who were rich, they were giving tons of money. And the world's eyes is like, man, look at them. They're doing so good. They're doing all this work. We're going to be able to put new carpet in the church. We're going to be able to do these things. We have new programs for the kids and all these things. Because of the money they're giving, it was, it was valuable to them. But God says he saw through that. Jesus saw through to the heart of who they were. And he says, this woman gave much more of a sacrifice than these people gave. What they gave did not hurt. It was easy for them. It was just a small percentage of what they had. They were rich, and so they were just giving from their surplus. But God says, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking you just to give from your surplus. God says, I want everything. I'm not saying that when the plates are passed later on in the service that you have to put your entire life savings into the offering baskets. But I am saying that if you're unwilling to give up anything in your life, for God, then there's a heart issue in your life that needs to be repented of. If you're not willing to let go of your millions and let God have control of that, then He's not your priority and you're not fulfilling His purpose for your life. That money, those possessions, the things that you're working for, the status, they will leave you as soon as you leave this earth. But there is one who will stay with you forever. So God gives us things in our lives, not so that we can hoard them and hold them, but he gives them to us so that we can freely give all of it to the Lord and say, this is all yours. Everything I have is yours. And the way we do that is because we realize that's what God has done for us. That He has given us everything. And in Him, we have everything that we could ever want. When we do that, when we are able to say, God, every bit of my income, every bit of my property, everything my business is, belongs to You, then, then we learn what it means to be free from the love of money because we are loving God instead. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil when that is what we are wanting more than anything. And so if one of your questions is, I don't know if I can afford 10% of my giving to God, the bigger question is, he's not asking for 10%. Can you afford to give him 100? And maybe to flip the question is, 
Can you afford not to give him 100? The purpose God has in tithing is to develop within us, to nurture a spirit of generosity so that we are willing to depart with anything physical. You can have it all. I don't care. This is you, God. I'm just stewarding it under your, your lordship. This is your money. This is your stuff. We do that easily when we realize the value of the relationship we have with God. Priority, there's a purpose. And the third thing is we see prosperity. The prosperity we're going to talk about here is on the screen here. Tithing number one, God gives us purpose, or priority, purpose, and prosperity. So you can write that down. The prosperity we're talking about here is not just my prosperity, but it is my prosperity. I'm using me as an example of me tithing and giving God ownership of everything. It is for my prosperity. It is for my welfare. It is for my good that I do that, and we're going to see that in a second. But it's not just for mine. It's also for yours. It's also for the people that live in our neighborhood. It's also for the people that are on the other side of the world. When I tithe, God gives us prosperity. Look with me in Deuteronomy 14, verses 27 and following. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. Levites were the ones who were uh, in charge of teaching uh, about God. They were the priests. And at the end of every third year, they add another thing on here. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, remember, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the word here is foreigner, the sojourner, the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town. These people, the least of these, shall come and eat and be what? Satisfied in order that the Lord, your God, may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. So you see at first, or at the end of that scripture, you see that, that God is going to, you're going to do all these things and invite him in, and God is going to bless you in all the work of your hand. All the things that you do, God wants to bless you. We position ourselves to be blessed by God when he is our priority, when we are living according to his purpose, then this prosperity he can start to give to us. He doesn't do that because many times God has to withhold a gift from us because we are not ready for it. A big gift from God can ruin us at times. I remember several years ago, and maybe even several weeks ago at some point, having a temptation of wondering, what would it be like if I won the lottery? Oh God, you should do that. You should have someone win the lottery and like give me like half or something because I don't want to buy a ticket. You know, but... You know, you should do something like that. I would be good. You could trust me with it, God. I would make good decisions with it. And then the more I thought about that, the more um, I, w- I would actually int- allow God to be part of that equation. And it, and it occurred to me through prayer over that is, wh- what are you doing with what you have already that, that shows that? What evidences in your life right now show that you're really that generous, Daniel? And I was like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) 
I don't like the way this conversation's going. I'm going to keep that to myself. And so when we do not live with a spirit of generosity where God's a priority and we're fulfilling our purpose and we're, then we're not going to experience that prosperity. And it's because God's good. He knows that if we get what it is that we desire most, it can ruin us. But when God is the one that we desire most and He gives those big gifts, He will never ruin us. We will be positioned to realize that God is my priority. It's okay. This isn't rocking my world because Jesus is rocking my world. I don't have to have this millions of dollars because I have Christ. He is more precious to me than anything else. I can live the rest of my life poor, like the poor widow, giving two copper coins. And I can live with purpose and joy. And I can have a spirit of generosity that, that, that supersedes that of people who give, and they're rich, who give much more. God can do more with two copper coins than he can with, or than we can do with millions and millions of dollars. He will bless you in all of your work. He wants to do this when these things line up. A couple of ways that he talked about that, to remember, the first was the Levites, and that was the, the priests. And he was talking about this is a way for you to remember them and to honor them. And that was in the Old Testament. And we actually see this happening in, the, in 1 Timothy in the New Testament as well. And it says the elders, and elders are the leaders of the church that teach spiritually and, and shepherd the church. He says the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now that, oh, sorry, do not receive an accusation against, the, I don't want to talk about that one because that doesn't apply I put that in wrong. But the first two talked about, you know, it can be awkward to talk about even up here. I realize what I'm saying. As a pastor of the church, you should give me a raise by two, right? 100% raise, double, double worthy. It's not what he's saying. I don't need double worthy. But there is a principle that every church member, and I'm a church member as well, we should make sure that the people that are shepherding our souls are taken care of. We should have a spirit of generosity toward them. And when we do that, when we take care of them, then God will take care of us as well. Too many times churches, and not this one, we're a great church, we're doing wonderful, but too many times churches think, I'm going to keep the pastor poor so that he'll stay humble for God. And that is a horrible thing. Pastors should be taken care of and loved and supported by the flock in healthy ways. Not to be something to take advantage of, but something that... We strive for as a church to remember what my pastors need. I'm going to help take care of them. The other part is this right here in um, James chapter 1, verse 27. But you mentioned, or before we get to that, in Deuteronomy, it mentioned the foreigner. It mentioned the orphan. It mentioned the widow, right? These are all people that have one thing in common where they really need help. This is also in the New Testament as well. When James says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God uh, the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans. A visit doesn't just mean to go and say hi to them. This means to take care of them. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So there are practical ways that we are to seek prosperity for others. We're to look for the least of these and look for ways that help them out. This is how we give back to God is when we start giving to the people who are in no position to give back to us. That is a spirit of generosity. Sometimes we help people out because it's going to help us get a promotion. 
Sometimes we help people out because we want to borrow their, their car. Some of times we help people out because we want them to help us move soon. Melanie is moving soon. She's going to be needing us. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're here to help Melanie move. Sometimes we help people out because we want something back. But a true spirit of generosity looks at these types of people and says, I'm going to help you because that's what I'm supposed to do. Your prosperity is my business. It's not okay for me to be okay with people being hurting and broken in this world. I'm to have a spirit of generosity to help them. The fuel for all of this is Jesus. It would be wrong of anyone to put upon you a a burden saying that you need to go out and you need to change the world by giving 100% without you understanding what God has done for you through Christ. Because what you're going to do is, without the Christ in the picture, is you're going to go out and do all these things. And when you don't get the favor and you don't get the blessing, you're going to become bitter. You're going to say, I worked my tail off. I did everything I was supposed to do, and God didn't give it back. But he did give it back. In fact, he gave it first. He gave it first through Jesus. We see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. His earthly ministry is what I'm talking about. At the beginning, right after he was baptized, he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And in his final temptation, he answers Satan and he says, Get behind me, Satan. Go away, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God only. At the very beginning, his priority was God. At the very end, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying and he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We see God is, again, the priority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see purpose in his life. We see Jesus where he generously gave his entire life as a ransom for many. He gave 100%. And we see also the prosperity that he gave to us. In John chapter 10, verse 10, is a fantastic verse. You should memorize this. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly means to have it to the full, to be satisfied with all of these things. It means prosperity. It's a good thing. This is what God has done for us. He has given us life through Jesus. A satisfying life. An overflowing life. An abundant life. Tithing is very important. As a church member of Connection Church, we teach our church members that tithing is a biblical principle. And that's something we strive for. Not all of us are in position to where we can give the full 10% now. And so sometimes we do practical steps. Start where you can and ratchet your way up. And the thing is, tithing is just a small part of what God wants to teach us. More than thinking, I need to get to 10%, what is it going to take for you and I to get to 100%? To where God is truly the Lord of everything. See, God uses tithing to give us the right priorities in life. He gives us a godly purpose of generosity. 
and he gives us a God-centered view of prosperity for ourselves and also for our neighbors. Tithing is giving, absolutely, but God uses tithing to give back to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to look at what your scriptures say about tithing and how we are to respond and in accordance with your word and how we relate to the, the income and the resources that you've given us stewardship over. So Lord, I pray tonight that you would uh, give within us a, uh, a heart that is moldable, and softened by your Holy Spirit so that we can become the people who put you first in every area of our life. People that have a, a spirit of generosity in such a great way that people, people praise you because they see how generous we are. And finally, God, we pray for prosperity in our church, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our country, and in our world. May you use us in powerful ways to bring healing to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.